Welcome to Between the Shelves. This is your host, Alex, and we have a very special episode this week. In honor of World Theater Day, which is coming up on March 27th, I have brought in two very special guests, uh, Stephanie, head of adult services. Hello, Alex. And we're bringing in uh, an outside guest. Uh, This is our our secret ace in the hole. Uh, Tori is joining us. Hello, long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) We have her on the line right now. Hopefully we don't lose her at any point (laughs) during this recording. So today we're going to talk about theater, Broadway, musicals, the the big musical episode. Yes. Stephanie's on stage left of me right now. Tori's on stage right, just so the listeners have an idea of the recording space right now. And we're about to tread the boards. Tread the boards. The Great White Way. Is it wide way or white? White, white, white. yeah. Because mm, that needs to change. They're working on it. <laughs> they, they might update that. All right. So why did I bring in Stephanie and Tori for this episode? You may be asking. We're wondering that as well. We are also asking. Are you really? No, no we're not. <laughs> we're pretty sure we know. Stephanie and Tori, you are our Broadway aficionados. Are you not? Some might say that. Yes. We might not say it. People Some. have said it to us. Yeah. People say it behind your backs. It's usually how it happens. So let's get into it. What's everyone's like theater experience? How did you get into the theater? Stephanie, as the theater elder, would you like to? Oh, I am. I really am. So this will date me a bit, I think. Uh, I got into it when I was a kid. Uh, I went to my first show when I was 11. The Who's Tommy, which is not really an appropriate show for a child, but my grandma didn't really know what she was. we were getting into. I enjoyed it. It's I think a great like, most show. Most of it went over my head. But um, that was my first show, and on Broadway, I used to watch a lot of movie musicals, and then I would go a lot with my family, and as I got older, I'd go with my friends, and um, I'm a musical person, so I used to play instruments and pit orchestra in high school, so that's kind, of, natural that's kind of my thing. So Tori, what about you? I guess mine is sort of similar, starting from like the music part of it. Um, when I was in junior high, I think it was in eighth grade, uh, I almost auditioned for The Music Man, our school's production. I went to the first day of auditions. We learned 76 trombones, and then I never came back to actually do the audition. Um, but then when I was in ninth grade, I joined the stage crew in high school, and I never stopped. So um, I think I really got into theater that way, and I started watching a lot of DVDs of theater when I was in high school, uh, a lot of Sondheim DVDs, and that's really what started the passion i guess so were you into musicals before you decided to join theater or was i had seen a couple and of course i'd seen a lot of movie musicals but i wouldn't say i was into like i wasn't a theater kid yeah until i started in high school i would say okay and steph were you in the were you a theater kid or you were a band kid no i was a band kid yeah so we started band in elementary school and then naturally progressed into eventually high when i was in high school You'd have the opportunity to play in pit orchestras in the school productions and some like local theater groups. Oh, I didn't even know they did that. Yeah. So the theater, the the pit in our high school was a combination of student players and probably music teachers that were friends of the band director and whoever was the musical director of the show. <clears throat> there were a couple of like local churches that would have like a little like kid, like community theater that would sometimes need like. Did you perform in any of those? Yeah, so I was in. I played a combination of clarinet with saxophone, so either alto or tenor. So I was one of those people that had like what they do with the winds. You get one book and you're playing three or four instruments, and it's super fun. 
Yeah, usually I was playing like a clarinet and one saxophone. Are there any memorable musicals that you performed for? Um, I really enjoyed because it, it was one of my favorite movie musicals ever. It still is Guys and Dolls, my high school did, when I think I was a junior or a senior in high school. So I played clarinet and tenor in that, tenor sax. So that was like one of my favorites just because I loved the, you know, I knew all the music already like from seeing it. So, so you had to play songs you already love. Yeah, and then like my friends were in the show, so I was like, oh, you know. So it was fun, yeah, to, con- to accompany everybody. Nice. Oh, me? <laughs> what about you, Alex? <laughs> How did you get into theater? Uh, I was a very late theater bloomer. I wasn't in band in school. I wasn't in the theater group at all, but I love movies. So, and my dad loves musicals, so he showed me all the, a lot of musical movies. So I guess new movies is how I really still is most of my theater musical experience. It wasn't, I didn't see my first musical until I was like 18. And it was um, the first tour of Book of Mormon. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, very late. So one thing I wanted to ask you both is, I'm not from New York, so... Is being from New York, is it, do you think that influenced your appreciation for theater, you know, being closer to Broadway? Uh, going to Broadway was not an option for, for me growing up. So I'm sure like in high school, you probably have trips to Broadway, like a yeah. field oh, trip. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They start actually in our school district, the elementary, like the fifth grade class would go. I don't think my class got to go my fifth grade year. I can't remember, but I know my sister's class did. So it starts even younger than wow. high school. I went... I saw Miss Saigon on a class trip in high school, like with the social studies department, you know, like you're so close that there's like any excuse to go see a show, you could do it. I think Steph has a little bit different experience than me in that regard because she's from Nassau County. So it's it's a little bit easier to yeah. go see shows. So when I was in high school, I went on a couple of trips with Chorus to go see shows. Um, we saw Catch Me If You Can. And we saw The Little Mermaid and Newsies, I think, were the three I went to see. And there was a trip that I never got to go on to see um, Les Mis that that the um, AP history classes would go on. Not a lot of trips into the city, but I definitely would say it's more accessible um, if if you live in New York. Like, when I was a kid, I was really into, I wanted to be a ballerina, so I got to go see The Nutcracker one time, and that was really the only live performance that I saw until I moved here and was in high school and could go by myself. But then when I was in high school... Friends and I would like go see shows all the time because it's not such a dangerous trek when it's only an hour train right away. Yeah, yeah, we used to just hop on the train. And yeah. one summer I saw Rent three times, and I was putting all my playbills into this new app that Tori introduced me to called Mezzanine. It's a great app. And I was like, wow, this one year, like all we would do, we'd be bored, we'd just hop on the train. Train was really cheap too, it was like less than $10 round trip. And then you would just walk to the theater, see what was cheap on the ticket board or rent had like $30 rush tickets or something like that for students. It was really cheap. They began the, the rush ticket trend. They started it because the show was so popular with young people who couldn't afford to go see it. But you definitely get spoiled living this close yeah. to Broadway. I was thinking of that watching Matilda because, which we'll talk about later, because I saw Matilda on Broadway and I saw it on the night, the afternoon of the Tonys. And then I got home and watched the Tonys and there's all the people all the kids, especially I was that I was like blown away for the, with, they were all like, you know, on the Tony stage dancing. I was like, wow, this is really, it's really cool that I got to see them this afternoon perform. And now they're on the Tonys, you know, doing yeah. their thing. So. so what was your first, your first Broadway experience? What, do you remember what your first show was? I definitely do. Um, in, in a time where Andrew Lloyd Webber is very um, relevant, my first show was The Woman in White 
which is a show from 2006, and it's based on a mystery novel from the 1800s by Wilkie Collins called The Woman in White, and it only played for three months. It was one of his shortest productions ever because it wasn't very good, but um, there's this thing called Kids Night on Broadway that they still do, um, where you can get buy one, get one free tickets to a Broadway show. Um, so that you can take, you are an adult and you can take your, your child to go see a show and a lot of shows participate. Um, so I think my aunt took me and I don't know why we pitched this show, but it's, it's a weird show, but it's that was like, that happens a lot though, especially when you're getting discount tickets yeah. back in the day, there wasn't like all this social media and like hype about it. You were just kind of like, Oh, I'll go see whatever. This show sounds fine. And it's yeah. only $40 and you would get. Cheap oh, seats. it's the and guy you, who did cats. Yeah, this that's, should be okay. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. And you think like you know, I feel like a stereotypical first show would be like The Lion, like or Wicked or something like that. But, but those no. shows are hard to get tickets for, and they're expensive. Yeah, I guess so. So 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 when I was twelve or thirteen, my first show was Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Woman in White. I've never even heard of this, and I am pretty familiar with his work. I haven't even heard of this play. They must have been trying to erase it from history. It's a very like gothic mystery it's set in like the english countryside and i think there's like a murder and a case of mistaken identity like the plot the book's probably very good but they did they were trying to get really creative with the set as well and they had like all these projections on moving screens Uh that was supposed to be like this was going to be the next big thing in theater set design but it it didn't look good And it was it was confusing to watch. But, you know, I had never seen a live play on stage really before, so I had a great time. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't tell you really anything that happened in the show. There's a train that comes towards the audience at the end, and someone gets hit by a train. Spoiler alert for this, this old show. But, you know, your first show is special, even if it's not good, I guess. Yeah. My, my first show was amazing. I saw... The Book of Mormon tour. Well, that wasn't on Broadway. Oh, right, right. Uh, that was in at PPAC, the Providence Performing Arts Center. You know, world-renowned PPAC. My first Broadway show wasn't until, like, 2016, I think, and it was um, Waitress. Oh. But I saw the first cast with... Um, Sarah Bareilles. Sarah, no, the first... Oh, she was... Oh, uh, was Jesse Muller? Jesse yeah. Muller, yeah. Who was so phenomenal. Like, I, of course, that was my first Broadway show, so... I had no idea how talented people like actually were. So I go to this, you know, Broadway, which is already just spectacular to begin with. I think I'd only been to New York City like once or twice before at that point. So I was already like so overwhelmed. (laughs) And then she just, these singers who are just the most talented people in the world just start belting at you. And I was like getting so choked up. Like it was floored me. Just from the experience. Just from the whole experience. Yeah. If I was in fifth grade going to see that, I... <laughs> mind you know, blown. It would have blown my mind, yeah. Um, so what about you, Steph? What's your What was your first Broadway Mine show? was The Who's Tommy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you already mentioned that. Sorry. <laughs> so that was... It was like 1993 or something like that. It was a long time ago. I don't remember a ton about the actual show. I really... I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience. I remember I, sl- I stayed at my grandma's house the night before. She was in Queens. And we took the bus... She doesn't live in a part of Queens that like is super easy to get to the city room. So we took the bus all the way in and we probably got food or something at some point, I imagine, because that was always a big deal about going to the theater. You go out to dinner or lunch. And then we saw the show. I remember being concerned that the theater had signs that there was going to be like loud explosions or something. So I was like, oh my God, what are we going to see? 
and then it was fine. There was like it wasn't really anything startling, but um, the story itself is just—it's not like a kids show. But I didn't know that I was only eleven, so I didn't get half of it. I'm sure they're supposed to be doing. Apparently, they're going to be doing a revival. Oh, really? I don't know if it's going to happen, but there was some talk about it. I was like, well, I have to go, and I still have my souvenir baseball hat that my grandma bought me which i don't know how i didn't plan on saving it i just found it one day in a closet i was like wow first broadway souvenir baseball cap (laughs) that's probably worth a pretty penny right now or nothing if they do the revival you have to wear the cap when you go yeah this is i have the real cap everyone look at my cap. super fan i have a tangential question based off tommy how does everyone feel about soapbox musicals as like a subgenre of musicals jukebox musicals is that what is it what did i say soapbox oh yeah soapbox. <laughs> this is a soap soap genre these are really these are really preachy, preachy. <laughs> i mean those those musicals do exist uh, but a, a jukebox a where it's like a co- pre-existing songs that they collect and put a story around yes they're not my favorite yeah they're not my favorite either i think it's an e- a quick buck it is, and I'm so, like, I like the original music, so I get a little bit worried that it's going to be terrible. And it makes me not want to go see it, necessarily, because I'm like, well, I don't want it to ruin the song songs for me. I'm not sure I've actually ever seen a jukebox musical. Like, I've never seen Mamma Mia or anything mm-hmm. like that. I'm not totally opposed to, to going to see one, because there's one open right now, and Juliet, that's supposed to be very good, and it takes a lot of like late '90s, early 2000 pop songs and puts them in like a a Romeo and Juliet setting. And I've heard really good things about it, so I'm open to seeing a jukebox musical. But like, if I wanted to listen to the songs, I would just listen to. The are songs. they like orchestral versions of the songs, or are they just the songs? In and Juliet, I think they judge them up. Like I think. I think it might be like a, mashups? like, like Moulin, Moulin Rouge. Rouge is all mashups. Moulin yeah. Rouge is all mashups of songs, and I think this might be similar to that, or it might just be reorchestrations to like mm-hmm. fit them in the world of the show better. I'm not sure. My thing that I've been trying to do recently when I go to see shows is go in like not mm-hmm. knowing anything. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I used to mostly go see shows that I knew all the words to already or had seen a DVD of, but I've been trying to do more of like I'm just gonna like let the experience be very. I don't know anything before I go. So I'm not looking up musicals these days to find out the details first. Mm-hmm. So since I'm planning on seeing it at some point, I have no clue. But mm-hmm. but I think they, they it's not just they play a backing track from Britney Spears and then just do a Britney Spears impression on top. But yeah. I'm interested to find out. That would That's a billion dollar idea, what you just said right there. <laughs> <laughs> that would run for 10 years, I think, especially now. Just take their concert recordings and just sort of sort of do some yeah. stuff on top of it. Free like, the Britney Spears story, yeah. and it would run for fifteen years. Well, they're about to. They're doing another Britney musical. No. <laughs> Wait, another? Uh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's called. I don't remember what Is it's there called. One, there's one already. It's it's about this year. It's scheduled oh. to, to. They're doing a lot. There's like three Gatsby musicals on their way. Like Broadway's having a moment right now. Not a good one. It sounds like. <laughs> If you like Gatsby. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about the juke jukebox musicals. They seem kind of just like an easy thing. But I mean, if it gets people to go to the theater, I guess it's good for the theater overall. That's true. But uh, I saw the Carol King musical. What is it called? Beautiful. Yeah. Also um, with Jesse Muller, right? Yes. I don't think I saw it with her in it. Or maybe I did. I don't know. Um, it was good, but... They didn't do anything. They didn't change the songs. They were just playing the songs. You know, any Broadway experience is 
pretty breathtaking anyways so it was a good experience but i don't know if you like love the music i I guess i could see you'd get more out of it but i think i'm I'm curious maybe you guys will agree i feel like maybe there's a little bit of it like there's two categories of jukebox musicals there's the like um beautiful carol king one or uh, a beautiful noise i think right now the the neil diamond one that's open oh yeah um or mj where it's it's just straight up the songs but it's it's also the person right it's they're doing the songs that way because they're telling the story of the person which i feel like i give a little more leeway to than like here's a bunch of random songs and let's create some discombobulated story around it i feel like that's worse i don't know i saw moulin rouge did you see moulin rouge no Moulin Rouge, or I mean, the movie musical was one of my favorites back in the day. And that had like only a handful of songs that were from other, you know, already made music mashed up into medleys. There wasn't a mashup. I don't think they coined that term yet. But um, this, that musical, the Broadway musical was insane because it was just way more music to fill up like, you know, a full two hours. And it was like, they would just take a line or two sometimes from this song here, this song there. And to make a whole musical around that, it kind of like blew me away. Mm. It wasn't like, I don't think I would want to see that all the time, but it was really cool for, especially for Moulin Rouge because the movie was already kind of made like that. So it made sense. And the story was already there. So they were still telling like the story of Moulin Rouge that you were familiar with. But they sort they of just chopped more music to make what to they make needed a musical. for the show. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of cool. So it yeah. worked for that show. I don't know if it would work for every show. I guess we're undecided about jukebox. We'd have to see. We'd have to see. It doesn't help me decide. (laughs) No. It depends. It really depends, I guess, Mm -hmm. on what it is. So what's everyone's favorite Broadway musical experience? Experience or favorite show? Because that could be two different things. You can interpret the question (laughs) however you like. Okay. Um, I have a couple of favorites from over the years that are just like, I think they'll just always be my favorites. Like Rent, because I saw it so many times. It was very like in the moment of the early aughts and the whole experience of growing up and going into the city to see that with my friends. It's sort of like a period show right yeah. now, at, like at all these years later, but you got to see it like at the time. And we still go see it together. See it, you know, it was at CW Post actually right before COVID hit. That was one of the last things I saw before the lockdown. And me and my best friend went, so we were like, we have to go see this. And, and it was fantastic. The touring show was fantastic. So that's always will be, I think, one of my number ones. And I love She Loves Me, which nobody knows about. <laughs> because, And I only saw it because Zachary Levi and like, the other cast. I she loves I love Zachary, Zachary Levi. And that's how I like was introduced to Gavin Creel, who I love now. And I would go see anything he's in. Had a fantastic cast, fantastic music. It was a revival of a show nobody really It's from the about. 60s, I think, right? It's a right? fantastic musical. Yeah, I don't remember. And it's based on the sto- same story that You've Got Mail, Little Shop Around the Corner. It's all the same story. It was great. The set was great. The cast was great. So it's like one of my all-time favorites now. And it was only it was only around for like a few months. Alex, what about you? Well, I had an answer and then I just realized it wasn't on Broadway. I was going to say Hamilton, but well, that's fine. I, saw, yeah. I saw it in Chicago. It counts. It's a musical experience. It's a musical experience. I, that was my favorite musical experience because it's it was Hamilton. And going to see Hamilton was a huge expense for us. So it was like a super special treat uh, for my wife and I. And we were huge fans of we listened to the CD over and over and over again, so we knew all the songs, and that was just such a thrill. That was a great experience. I guess um, on Broadway, I saw, for my birthday, I saw Avenue Q, and it was a surprise. So we went out to dinner in New York, and um, my brother, my mom, and my brother's girlfriend all showed up, and I'm like, oh, so, like 
weird. I didn't piece it together. I'm very slow. What are you guys doing yeah, exactly. here? <laughs> my wife surprised me with tickets to go see Avenue Q. So that was really fun. That's a really, really fun show. Um, and I guess it was like the, it ended up being like their last year doing it because they shut down right after we saw it. Um, yeah. So I'm glad I got to see that in person. That's a really funny show. I also saw the SpongeBob musical in the you front saw row. that in the front row. Wow, yeah. VIP. That was quite an experience. I've heard good things. I really liked it. Yeah, and I'm not even a huge SpongeBob fan. I've it was just a you know went on a whim and it was a lot of fun. Well, I think sometimes that's all that it, like I just want to be really entertained for a couple of hours and enjoy the experience. Very interesting. Sometimes it doesn't have to be like some like monumental piece of no, art. And sometimes it if you don't have fun. If you don't have expectations, it will it will hit you even harder and, and be even better because you're like, well, this this could be a terrible show. I'm not going to expect anything out of it. And then they're like, no, SpongeBob is a great show. <laughs> I had a similar experience with Shrek the Musical. I didn't have any expectations going in to see that, really. You know, everyone in my age group really knows Shrek, so I, I knew yeah. Shrek. But that's a really fun show. And I saw it in the middle of a blizzard. I was like, should I even be... Going to see the show today, it seems like a bad idea, but it was it was totally worth it. Did they play Smash Mouth? You know, sadly, there is no Smash Mouth in that. It, they should have made it more of a jukebox rights. musical. Yeah. They didn't do a smash up? No. <laughs> but, uh, or the, what is it? There's like that DVD special feature of like the Swamp Karaoke from... Oh, yeah. Was that the second one, I think? I think so. They didn't throw that in there. Yeah. But but the, the songs are great. The plot is Shrek. Um, but they it translated really well to stage, surprisingly. And there's a lot of like emotion in it, like a a lot of deep moments that you wouldn't expect from Shrek. But so that was the pinnacle of Broadway experience for you. <laughs> I don't know if it's the pinnacle. It was it was definitely a great Broadway experience. I think you also named some just general favorite shows. My favorite show is Sunday in the Park with George by Stephen Sondheim. Rest in peace. I'm a huge Sondheim fan. You don't say. <laughs> If you if you've gone to see a show with me, you probably know that. But Sunday in the Park with George is my favorite show, um, and Company is another great show. They're two of his older shows. Sunday in the Park with George is from the '80s. They've had revivals recently that were really good. Sunday in the Park with George, they did one with Jake Gyllenhaal as as George Surratt, the painter, and he did a great job. That was that was a great Broadway experience for me. I've only seen the movie of the making of Company. Yeah, there is a. <laughs> That's like a, like a documentary of that. And it is a hoot. Mm-hmm. It's actually hilarious. Um, documentary Now, the TV show, does a perfect impression of that documentary. Oh, I got to check that out. It's so funny. Okay, awesome. So it was Tuesdays in the Park with George. <laughs> Sunday in the Sunday. Park with George. Tuesdays Sunday. with Maury in the Park with Tuesdays George. with... <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's not a play I'd want to go see. <laughs> I mean, hey... We've already, anything could surprise us and be good. We don't know. That's true. That's true. I'll keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was going to ask about your least favorite experience, but... Uh... Oh, we can, <laughs> we can talk about that. That's very recent for us, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Should we save that for after the break? Wait, let's, let's, let's get into that after the break. Okay. Uh, I only have one more question. What's a show that you wish you had seen but have not seen? I have an answer. I think I know what Tori's answer is. We've talked about it recently, and you you brought this show up, Les Mis. I never got to see Les Mis. It went away and came back. I still didn't get to see it. We were supposed to go on that field trip when I was in high school, but they closed the show the year that I was taking the class that always went to go see it, and I was never more disappointed by anything in my life, and I never made it to any 
like it's on tour right now across the country. I was thinking like maybe I could go to Philadelphia and catch it. I have not seen it. So that's my my white whale is that I've never seen Les Mis. And also the 2006 production of Company that starring Raul Esparza, which is available on DVD, which is out of print. But it was one of my first exposures to a musical. I watched it a million times in high school. Um, but it would have been awesome to see it in person. The performers played the instruments themselves on stage for all the songs. It was very cool. I think nice. I think John Doyle directed it, and he likes to do that with his shows, have them play on the stage. Wow. What about you, Steph? I don't have anything that I can remember that's, like, that devastating. I, rem- I, was sad- I remember being sad I didn't see the first revival of Guys and Dolls. That was in, like, mid-90s or something like that. I was old enough that... To know what was going on, but I wasn't quite going to the theater myself yet. So I didn't get a chance to go. And that was like one of my all-time favorite movie musicals. So I was a little disappointed. And I still kind of listen to that. I listen to that cast recording. I'm like, ah, oh, the one that got away. <laughs> and then I kind of, I, I wish I'd gotten a chance to see Hamilton with the original cast. I only went to oh, see yeah. Hamilton right after, when Broadway reopened. That was the first thing I got to see. I was like, well, there's a, available tickets. Don't cost a million dollars. I guess I got to go see it right now. And it was amazing. But and then I started listening. I don't listen to usually see or listen to shows before I go see them. I don't want it to like affect my view of the live performance. But I did watch the recording of Hamilton that they put on what app, like one of the streaming services. So Disney, I, Plus, Disney Plus. Yeah. So I had seen just that, and then I did not listen to it anymore until I went to see it. And then I started listening to the original cast recording like crazy, and that made me kind of wish that I got to see yeah. that. Hamilton would have been on my my list too. I actually didn't even think of that. I guess my answer again. I didn't think about this when I wrote it down. It's not a musical. It's a play, and I actually did have tickets to it. It was in 2016. It was the front page with Nathan Lane, John Goodman, and John Slatterly. Slattery. Uh, so we had tickets. We were still living in Rhode Island at the time. My wife and I. And we had tickets to the show. This was like a big again, like a huge expense, like a big deal for us. We start driving to New York to go to the play, and a hurricane hits. Oh, no. The highways had like three inches of snow. We get stuck in Connecticut, and we ended up going to Mystic Aquarium instead because we got stuck in Mystic. (laughs) So we never got to go. Um, And I'm a huge, huge, huge Nathan Lane fan, so I was like dying to see this. And uh, yeah, I guess if uh, it just wasn't meant to be, but... I think you might have the most tragic... like missed connection of broadway out of all three of us because you yeah. you were you were about to see it yeah you were going there but the aquarium was nice <laughs> were you looking at that fish like that could have been nathan lane <laughs> i could have been just, looking at my head just pressed against the jellyfish glass <laughs> just <laughs> sorry thinking of what could have been <laughs> i wish i could have seen it but oh well missed opportunities let's let's, take, let's, <laughs> let's take end a on a low note before the break i'm gonna go to the bathroom i'll be right back <laughs> Take some time, Alex. All right, we're back. Now, we hinted to this in the last segment. What is your worst theater-going experience? There's, well, (laughs) there's one that stands out. So, this is my fault that, that this happened, but... Yes, it is. Um, the new Andrew Lloyd Webber... The new Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, in quotes, um, Bad Cinderella. 
I mean, I guess actually it's probably not a great idea for us to like slam Andrew Lloyd Webber's newest show on the internet, but well, he's, he's, still a, he's a listener. He's, he's, he's an avid listener. Of the He'll podcast. be upset. Yeah, if he hears it. But you know, he could take the notes. He needs I guess constructive criticism. It's still in previews. We bought the tickets for this back in the fall because I saw that it was coming out, and I had heard a lot of bad things about it. Um, it closed unceremoniously on the West End where it, where it played originally, and I was like, Steph we have to go see this terrible show. And she said, sure, why not? Uh, Worst decision I've ever made. So we bought tickets to the first preview, the very first time it was playing on the stage here. And I mean, it was exciting to be at the first preview. Yeah, that that was my first, first preview. Same. That was fun. We saw Andrew Lloyd Webber. We got free buttons. Yeah, we saw Andrew Lloyd Webber. She made eye contact with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Played it cool. Very cool. I wish I saw him after the show. That would have been more interesting. She was shaking her fist at him. Was he in that top hat and cape, I hope? No, he was just in like regular... He didn't want anybody to recognize him, so he had to leave the top hat. Tweed bird sweatpants. The monocle. But, um, so I guess I'll explain what the show is a little bit. Bad Cinderella, if I can. Bad Cinderella is... God, it's... It's a retelling of Cinderella. It's a retelling of the story of Cinderella, um, but the, the... There's no lesson in it to be learned. They remove any... Any uh, sort of learning moment that you could have. And instead they insert um, absurdity into every part of it. So it's like she lives in this town where everyone's beautiful. And she's really ugly and gross. But she wasn't. But she wasn't. She just wore pants and that was that was, was her. She was favorite. a misfit. Yeah. And she's best friends with this prince. Who's, who's not the, Prince Charming. He's the secondary prince of the royal family. But his brother disappeared, so now he has to take up the throne. And his mom says, you must get married to, in order to be on the throne. you got to do it. We're going to have a ball this weekend. And he's like, Cinderella, you got to come to this ball for me. And she's Wait, like, they also spend like a lot of the beginning just talking about how he's like the worst and not Prince Charming. But he's yeah. like the nice guy. And Prince Charming sounds kind of terrible. The, his whole thing is he's just a guy. Yeah. And, and so he's not very desirable. But um, they really enforce that he's kind of like a schmo, the lame brother. But but the the problem that ends up happening is she decides to become very beautiful to go to the ball, as the Cinderella story requires her to do. And she's like super into being pretty now. But he doesn't like that. But it's also just everything was just really didn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. They just kind of like like change settings, and we're like, wait, where are they right now? What's happening? Oh, and there's a there's a fairy godmother. And there's really weird songs that were really long, and then they'd be over, and then they would reprise. They would immediately immediately. do a reprise. Like we just listened to this for five minutes, and it was all just very confusing and bizarre. It was like I said, it was like watching a fever dream or something. Like what is happening? There was there was a part while we were sitting there watching it, and I. I wasn't laughing at any of it, and it was supposed to be comedic, and that's never happened to me before. But a character like said something, and Steph turned to me and out loud said, "That didn't make any sense." It's like I, none of <laughs> this makes any even, sense. You know what was even weirder? A lot of people in the audience seemed really into it. We were like, "Is it us?" We were sitting What's near happening? a group of bad Cinderella super fans who were like wearing shirts. Came from London. Yeah, they, they were t- wooing like every five seconds. We're like, "No, no, this is shh." Just let them sing. Maybe this will just become like a Rocky Horror Picture no, Show no. sort of. Don't. That's like where... that's like blasphemous. It's a Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> you cannot. I've seen I a surprising it. amount of like 
people were like, this wasn't as bad as you all said it was. And I was like, we saw it, some, it really is, though. We saw some guys on the subway who were like, you saw it too? And we were about to be like, yeah, wasn't it terrible? And they were like, wasn't it amazing? We loved it. And yeah. we were like, well, we're really glad you enjoyed it. It was like anyone hurt their feelings, but it was... Just, are you too highbrow, or have you just lost touch with what uh, the zeitgeist of the theater world? It was a really confusing, like, is it us, or is it, is it them? I don't think it was us, though. But I think, for me, the problem I had with it, besides that it wasn't very good, was... So the story of Cinderella has been done as a musical really well several times. There's Andrew... Uh, excuse me. There's Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella, which is a great version of Cinderella. There's Disney Cinderella, which everyone knows. So why did Andrew Lloyd Webber need to do his own? And why couldn't the lyricist and the book writer and everyone involved make it really good? You know, that, that sounds mean, but you know, if it's been done really well, you have to have a good reason to do it again. And it didn't feel like this was right. a good reason to do it again. Yeah. I had a hard time with the, the lyrics and the the songwriting in particular, the I was at one point I said the instrumental beautiful the entre act was like the music was gorgeous. It didn't really go with the rest of the, the show world. and the words. Like there was nothing like catchy about any of the songs. They were they were a bit abrasive sometimes. We were just like whoa. And the audience for the show was very unclear. There were children there, but there were really adult themes in it. Yes, very. So. It Which just is fine. Like some kids are more mature and can handle it, but it was just—it's not a kids' show per se. So, what was the bad referring to? Does she, does she like get revenge? On she's the bad. She does like graffiti on stuff, so she's always like causing her family like. And she's bad because everyone problems. is supposed to be pretty, and she is not trying to be pretty. Yeah, so she wasn't really bad. The rest of the town it was like one of those things where it's like everyone else is kind of terrible. And her and the prince that they all make fun of are supposed to be the good ones. Uh, they're the yeah. they're, the normal they're ones. They're the normal ones, but everyone hates them because they're like not horrible people. I, it sounds <laughs> like it sounds like an easy fix would be Cinderella in trying to fit in becomes bad, but then the the secondary prince or whatever his name is the, the Sebastian Sebastian is the lead character of the play and he is trying to convince his friend to like return to her roots and be her true self. But things happened very quickly too. We were like, wait, all of a sudden she changed her mind. How do I even explain it? I don't know because <laughs> it was so confusing. The fairy, like things happened. There was no consequence. Like fairy godmother's like, hey, you have to be back at midnight. And then she but doesn't. But then she doesn't, doesn't nothing, nothing happens. And she all of a sudden... It was almost like the love story, the romance, like, we're friends, but now we're in love. Like, everything just happened very abruptly. Choppily, maybe. It was like, there wasn't, maybe they need to work on that. I agree with you, Alex, that, like, there's ways that that are, they could easily fix some parts of this and make it, like, a a story that makes sense and has a good through line, but I don't know that that was their intention. Yeah. Wasn't um, it called just Cinderella? It was just called London? Cinderella originally, but the the big like show stopping song of it is she's she's singing "Call Me Bad Cinderella" because she's bad, but she wasn't bad. You know, she's <laughs> oh, she's not she that bad. bad. She's she's really not that bad. She's a little emo, maybe, but she's yeah, not that it bad. seems like they were like influenced by like the new Cruella movie. Yeah, sort know? of that vibe, kind of like that vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I have to say though, I went into it thinking like. We were expecting it to be kind of not great because of London. But I was like, I want it to be so bad. I don't want it to just be mediocre because then I'll be kind of like, nah. 
Well, that was a waste of money. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted it to be really good or really bad. So I guess I got what I wanted because it was. It, it, it gave was us a lot to talk about. It did. Yeah. The one argument I've seen for for saying that it was good is that it's very campy, like mm-hmm. maybe sort of self aware of of the badness and leaning into it. Which I I guess mm. there's an argument to be made for that. Um, and I listened to the the London cast did a recording of all the songs and. I'm not going to lie, they, they are kind of catchy. I listened to it two days after we saw it, and I remembered every song. Really? Like, I was I able to sing along. You left, and I didn't remember one thing. I remembered the songs, and they made a lot of changes from, from the London version to, to here, so I feel like it was very intentional in a way. But, you know, not everything is for everyone, so I think it was intentional in a way that didn't work for me. Yes. No, no hate if you like Bad Cinderella, though. We'll see if this one outlasts the white... Um... What is it? <laughs> the, woman, the woman in white. The woman in white. See if it makes it past three months. Woman. I was like, no, 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 no. Right. That's a different show. No, yeah. Do you think he's just lo- he's just getting old and just out of touch, or he needs more producers yeah. kind of directing him a little bit? So you've seen, I think, more of his shows than I have. I've seen two. Oh, so <laughs> I've only the only other one I've I've seen, I think, is Phantom. Mm. I did not like Phantom. I never saw Cats because it never seemed to appeal to me. We're getting into to controversial theater so opinions I'm right not, now. Like, maybe he's just not for me. Like, like someone I know really likes Sondheim. And it's just not my favorite, but I don't not enjoy the shows I go see. You know, it's like people have different tastes. And yeah. his, I just have a feeling like his style is just not my style. I like Jesus Christ Superstar, the film. I've never seen any of his stuff live. But I don't like anything else really by him. So he's kind of, he's hit or miss, I guess. Have you seen the, um, d- a slight tangent, have you seen the, the Jesus Christ Superstar Live that they did on TV with John Legend and Sarah Bareilles? That was really good, I thought. I thought it was very good. But I think the thing about Andrew Lloyd Webber, I think people give him, including us right now, we give him a little too much crap because he is only doing the music, like like the instrumental music, yeah. which is almost always impeccable. And it's the lyrics in the book and the production of it that we can criticize and say is bad. So, you know, he's the big name behind his shows, but he's not doing all of the things that we hate so about like, them. I did yeah. like the instrumental portion. Right. And that's what he did. So we can say I guess that, that's, I guess I was thinking of him as the director. He's, no. I, that's really the director's job. Right. He's, he's just like usually the biggest name that runs through the shows that he does. So like yeah. he, he can do good music for a show, but sometimes the vision gets muddled when the, everything else comes together and it's not quite what we're looking for, but but you could listen to the songs and, and appreciate the sound of it. I forgot that I have seen. I saw School of Rock, and he did School of Rock. And oh I yeah, love, he I did. Love that one. I have to. So I do like one of his musicals. And he had he had good subject matter to start with for that. I would say yeah. people like that movie definitely. Okay, so that was your worst experience. <laughs> <laughs> We've had like other like, worst ex- like theater going experiences where it's just like the oh. We've had weird audience experiences. That's what I thought you were yeah. going to go with. But I, like, you kind of take that with a grain of salt. In terms of shows, I think that was my worst show experience. Yeah. We did have... What else did we see? Oh, we saw Some Like It Hot recently. This is not 2022, but we, we saw it in January. Which was fantastic. The, sh- the show was okay. <laughs> <laughs> but 
a, a woman yelled at me in the audience because Did I asked her to put her phone, phone away. <laughs> she had her phone out for the whole first act. So I tapped her and I said, excuse me, could you please put your phone away? She started going off at me. In the middle of a song? During a song. And props to the house staff because I, I went up to them during intermission and said, hey, this woman yelled at me. Can you do something about it? And they moved us down to really good orchestra seats. The fifth row. So I would actually call that a good experience. That was a good experience. <laughs> yeah, and the, that woman in... In our defense, that woman had been spoken to by the ushers a couple times. There was three women together. Yeah. And they had all been spoken to about, please don't use your cell phones in the middle of the performance. So that's been the worst in the past few years as people are... People well, we had, this, we had the high school kid sitting behind us that, like, it was his first show. And he was reacting to it as if he was doing, like, YouTube reactions the whole time. Like, oh, whoa, no way. Like, Leah Michelle is singing, belting her heart out, and he's like, whoa. yes, oh my god, <laughs> And we're like, you can't just shout out. <laughs> and he was beatboxing <laughs> along to Funny Girl. <laughs> so, didn't Jen talk to the Jen, their teacher? Uh, yeah, our director the, spoke to them. talk to their teacher who's sitting on like the other side of the row. Didn't know he was exclaiming the whole time. She was so nice because she's like, we love that he's enjoying theater. We love it. But <laughs> we are also trying so to watch just, the you know, show. Like, let him know that he can't just shout out. And he was better the second half. He was. The rest yeah. of them were not. But he did really enjoy it because that intermission, he thought it was over. And he yeah. was like upset because he was enjoying himself so much. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's just intermission. So The audiences can be something yeah. else these days. They can. So, okay. So what were some of your notable um, plays, musicals that Some you of the saw? good stuff we some saw. Some of the good stuff you saw, maybe in 2022 and, and even more recently. I had a couple that I wanted to call out that I really enjoyed. Um, three in particular. One of the first ones that I saw coming out of the height of the pandemic was Hades Town, which is from 2019, but I saw it in early 2022 and I saw it twice last year. And I wanted to go see it a third time. So that's how much I enjoyed it. Um, it's sort of like a folk or Americana take on the Greek myth of Eurydice and Orpheus. Say no more. <laughs> Everyone's favorite Greek myth. Very uplifting. Well, I wasn't familiar with the myth going into it, which is, you know, like I said, it's my MO is I'm trying not to, to learn too much about the show before I see it. So I had no expectations. And it's a very simple set. It looks sort of like a speakeasy or a bar from like the, the 20s or 30s. And the band is on stage. The band is on stage for the whole show. And they just take you through the story sort of in a way of their actors presenting it to you like a, they're aware of it kind of, but you get caught up in it and they take this very simple set and it expands into more. They have things swinging from the ceiling. They've got things opening it up and closing. And it's just very, um, very well done the way they did it. I cried and I was shocked by things that happened, gasped out loud. Although if you're familiar with the Greek myth, like apparently a lot of people are, you will not be surprised like I was, but that, that was part of why I liked it so much was, I, I didn't know what was going to happen and then was really shocked by what happened. And they've also been, they do a lot of really diverse things with their casting. Um, like a, a, there's a group of characters called the Fates, which are like the Greek chorus. And traditionally it's three women who will be the Fates, but they've had men or non-binary people switch in and out of those roles, sometimes because of, you know, illnesses in the cast, they have immediacies to fill the roles or whatever, but... They also, the main role of Hermes was played by Andre de Shields for the past few years. And when he left the show, um, they brought in um, a woman to play the part, uh, Lilius 
Lilius White. So Lilius White took over the role from Andre de Shields um, and played the role of Hermes, who is sort of like presenting the tale to you, sort of the MC. Sorry. We'll just do this all over. Again. <laughs> um, so what was your first theater experience? <laughs> uh, but so I really enjoy how like flexible the casting can be and how it's like the basis of it is really simplistic, but it's just so well done. And quickly, two other shows that I really liked. Um, I saw A Christmas Carol starring Jefferson Mays, which is not a musical. It's a play, but it's a one man show version of A Christmas Carol um, hmm. where he plays like 50 plus parts and he is presenting the story to you and it was so atmospheric and spooky they lean into the how scary that story is and used a lot of effects and i don't know just cool stuff to 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 tell the story and it was really effective and i went to see it on a lark because i went to see 20 shows last year and in december i was at 18 and i was like oh my gosh i have to fit in two more um so i on a whim bought a ticket to see that to hit 20 and it was really good sounds interesting i would i think you would really enjoy it i recommend it to anybody but um definitely not a version of a christmas carol for kids at all um and the last one i wanted to mention was k-pop the musical (laughs) which is no longer with us listeners might not know but everyone else knows i'm a big k-pop fan so i just thought it was a really fun show um it felt like being at a real k-pop concert but there was a story involved. The music was really convincing. Was it jukebox or was it new music? It was not jukebox. It was music in the style of K-pop. Um, so the music and lyrics are by Helen Park and Max Vernon. And they had done it. I think they wrote it when they were in college and then developed it further later. It used to be off-Broadway as an immersive show, but this was not immersive. But it was sort of like there was a stage in front of you and there were three... There were two fake K-pop groups and a fake K-pop soloist. And it was the story of them coming to the U.S. to do a concert. So you were watching the concert performances, but you were also watching the behind the scenes of them preparing the concert and all of the drama that went on. And they had real K-pop idols from groups I enjoy who were part of the cast. So I was like fangirling in the audience. Luna from FX was there. She's one of the best vocalists in K-pop. So it was very exciting and I enjoyed it, even though... Almost no one else did, and it is closed. <laughs> did you stage door? I did, I did. And I brought... Um, one of the people in the show was uh, a guy... His name is Kevin Wu. And he was in a group called You Kiss that was also not the most popular group, but one of the first groups I ever got into. So I brought the last album they ever released. And I was like, Kevin, can you sign my album? And he was like, oh my gosh, you liked this song? <laughs> so it was very, it was very fun for me, but... If, if you're not a fan of K-pop, I can see why it would not be the most illuminating, but I thought it was really... Yeah, it was just fun. fun. It, it doesn't have to be good to be fun, but I also thought it was good. What about you? What did you enjoy um, last year? I did not see as many shows as you last year, but my favorite, and I saw it twice, was The Music Man. and Because I love those like classic musicals. And this one, I got tickets for pre-COVID, and it got rescheduled twice. So I thought it was never going to happen. I was so nervous that something was going to go wrong and I would miss the show. So when I finally got to see it, it was a huge relief. And of course, I had Hugh Jackman, who I love, and Sutton Foster, who I also love. I've seen her in a couple things. And that was like one of the reasons why I wanted to go. She's one of those people that I go see her in almost anything. It was, it didn't disappoint. It was, class- and I love the story behind it. I mean, how could how could I hate a musical where the main character is a librarian and it's about like 
kids learning how to play music. When you put it that way. It's just, it's got me written all over it. So I really enjoyed it. And then I went to see it a second time, because why not? And so I, because <laughs> Tori, I feel like I, even, I got to enjoy it even more a second time because I wasn't, I was so nervous about getting to go see it that first time. Because the buildup, three years I think I had to wait to see that show from buying the tickets. Um, I think I was like, I got to enjoy it a little more the second time. So that was my favorite. We saw Into the Woods, which, so I'm not a huge, Sondheim's not my go-to, but I really enjoyed that one. And that one, we saw it in City Center, right? Yeah. Yeah, not technically uh, Broadway. Went over to Broadway and um, the cast was amazing. The show is great. I brought my sister who isn't like super into theater and um but she really liked it too so i feel like that's a good sign for a show when she's entertained and it was yeah. a long show because i remember at intermission she thought it was over and i was like no that's just the intermission because it kind of ends it and it could be like just a one act yeah, show famously people yeah. do think it's over after the first oh, act it sounds like she should meet up with those kids from funny girl <laughs> <laughs> like, they should all go one act a bunch of shows and, and just leave <laughs> that's it mm-hmm. So yeah, I really, I did enjoy that because sometimes I feel like one of the reasons why I don't, I think that I'm not a huge Sondheim fan is because the shows are heavier. They're very dramatic and sometimes sad. And I want to go to the theater and see those like fun, upbeat things most of the time. So yeah, so I really enjoyed this one. Nice. I saw Zero <laughs> musicals. But you've seen some movie <laughs> musicals, right? I saw, yes. Um, I'm trying to think. No, maybe I didn't. This well, year, at least. I, mm, that's true. But movie musicals I've seen a bunch in my lifetime. Should we talk about some of our favorites? Yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> I, I think uh, as the big movie buff, you've probably got at least me beat on movie, movie musicals. So maybe. I want to know your opinions. I've seen tons and tons, but I just want to talk about my favorites. I already mentioned Jesus Christ Superstar. I think that's just a great movie. It's very fun. Little Shop of Horrors. I yes. love. I, that may, might be one of the first musical movies I saw that really got me hooked. Um, because it's funny, you know, it's got like sci-fi crazy elements to it. And the music's great too. And Music Man we already mentioned. Uh, my son is already hooked on Music Man. And he's two, so he has I've already taste. started his musical. Uh, his musical uh, Destined for the stage. Yes, yes. And he's a ham too. So or, the, or the pit. You never know. Or the pit. Yeah. Destined for the theater. He's absolutely <laughs> destined for the theater. But when your band plays 76 trombones at... Uh, our fan fest last oh, yeah. year, he still talks about it. So Aww. he loved that. <laughs> He's so cute. But my favorite movie musical movie, movie musical is Fiddler on the Roof. I can't really explain why. I know, I still remember the first time I ever saw it. I was home sick from school. I was probably a freshman in high school, somewhere around that age. And was just laid out on the couch, couldn't move. Turned on the TV. It must have been playing on like AMC or something. And I was just too tired or nothing else was on. I'm like, okay, I'll watch this. And I was riveted. It's so good. And I think I've seen it maybe a dozen times since then. I love the music. I love Tevier, the character. Uh, He's one of my favorite characters in in film. I think he has a lot of depth, a lot of layers. I relate to him. Yeah, the music's great. The the actual directing, like the movie itself looks beautiful. It's just a great movie. Um, So that might be my favorite. What about you guys? I've actually, I've never seen Fiddler. And there's been a couple productions of it in the last few years. And every time I'm like, I guess I should probably see Fiddler. But one all in Yiddish. Yeah, yeah. And um, that got great reviews, but I'll have to check out the movie. Because Alex has definitely told me multiple times that it's it's very good. It is so, very good. Um, I think my 
my movie musicals are pretty basic and I, I see a lot more on stage musicals than I do movie ones. But um, I think the number, I'll start with number one. I think number one has got to be Grease in mm-hmm. terms of like a really well done musical uh, movie adaptation of a musical. Like everyone's seen Grease. The, the songs are great. The characters, the, the casting was perfect, even though um, Rizzo was not in high school, clearly. No, and neither was Kanicki. None of them, none of, none of them were high school. None of them were in high school. They were but all like 40 years old. You just can't beat like the iconic casting and performances and. You know, it, Grease is one of those movies that I could watch it. Like every time it comes on TV, I won't change the channel because it's, Grease is on. You gotta, you have to watch it. So I think that's a top one for me. Um, I wanted to include a Disney one because I think Disney movie musicals count. I should yes. have mentioned that's where my musical started. I think I, a, lot a lot of people, of people yeah, yeah. Um, which almost makes you just disregard them as like not even counting, but. Right. I instead of going with a classic one, I thought of Encanto, which is a recent movie, but everyone knows I really enjoyed it. Lin Manuel Miranda was very—he was definitely Lin Manuel Miranda-ing mm-hmm. in this movie, but in a way that really worked, and the songs are really memorable. So I really liked Encanto, and then I I wanted to bring up Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, because I can't think of a lot of examples where a musical got turned into a movie. And then the most prolific live performances of it that you can find are just people watching the movie. <laughs> like yeah. the the live casts of the movie where people will perform in front of it while it plays. What other musical does that happen with? Usually, you know, people prefer the stage adaptation, but... Have you been to one of those performances before? I have in college when I was... I did theater in college too, stage crew, but um, one of the theater groups at my school did a live performance cast of it, and it's so much fun with, like, people are throwing toast at the screen, and, like... Climbing up the tie. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, It's just so fun, and, yeah, a lot of... There's not a lot where you can say the movie did it better, and I think I think Rocky Horror maybe the movie did it better. Yeah, I remember I saw it in high school with a live performance in front of the movie, and it was a blast. Like it's the it was the perfect time to see it too for the first time. And they like if it's your first time seeing it, I don't know if this was the same for you. They bring you up on stage and they oh, oh, yeah. they embarrass you they embarrass you in front of everyone. And I went to go see it with three of my friends, and it was all of our first time seeing it, but I was the only one who. Admitted it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was got the extra layer of embarrassment in front of my friends, but uh, it was so much fun. It's something like everyone should go to, to one of the live Rocky Horrors, like at least one time, I think. Yeah. Just to see what it's like. Maybe don't raise your hand when they ask if it's your first don't time. Don't bring your but kids. <laughs> no, do not bring your kids. Lots of fun, though. And those are those are my, my movie yeah, musicals. I have a hard time picking them because I love movie musicals, especially the older ones. But I think... I'd probably have to say is a tie between Guys and Dolls and Annie. Mm. I, I watched Annie. That was like, we had a recording of it taped off of TV. And I would just watch it constantly, pre-YouTube days. That's what I would watch, just like on repeat. I feel like my whole childhood. The, the Bernadette Peters to yes, Curry. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, so that's still one of my favorites just because of like nostalgia, I think. And I've seen, the, I've seen it on Broadway when it was last on Broadway. I haven't watched... The newer movies of it because i don't want to be disappointed in the new movies so i kind of like avoided them but um i still love guys and dolls i love the music in it and for the newer ones i really love the greatest showman yeah that was fun the music's fantastic the, You're just a huge jackman the, fan huge i love Hugh jackman um how could you not she's a huge jackman <laughs> fan huge <laughs> 
So. And we're going to take a break. <laughs> um, but also, so not just the mu- the music. So I have uh, the, the film itself was very cool to watch. As I studied film in college. And so I still love just movies where you're just kind of like mesmerized and blown away sometimes. And when it's like a big musical, I kind of want to be wowed like that. And I can watch it over and over again. I think it's so much fun. It seems like it's sort of a throwback, like the spectacle of it to the, I haven't seen it, but to the, like the 90s and 80s mega musicals, you know, like um, Ragtime and Phantom and Les Mis, where it's just like the whole thing is like a big visual treat. Yes. And all part, like big bombastic music and and acting. Yeah. It is. And the, the variety of music in it is great. It's It's got all kinds of like different genres of music throughout the whole thing. It's not just like just hip hop or they're they're you know they're dancing like the dances are very like hip hop and modern but they're in like the period clothes so it's just it was just very cool to watch i think yeah all right so maybe we should take another break and when we come back we're going to talk about a new movie musical that came out this year the matilda musical So the movie we all saw was the Matilda the Musical. It came out in 2022, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was previously live. I didn't get a chance to see it live, um, but it's now available in a film version on Netflix. And um, did anyone get to see it live? No, I did see it live. Yes. Did. How close is it to the the film adaptation? It's close, but it's different. They used a number of. Like the the most catchy main songs mm-hmm. they used, but there was a lot of music in the stage version, and it was it had a different tone to it. It was a little bit more like goofy, funny. The movie was more dark, I think, and mm-hmm. and more sad. This was like, yeah, the adults are kind of terrible, but like they weren't like, oh my god, this is disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, like the, the movie was very dark, I think, compared. So there was a lot of music. Um, like miracle had like four parts to it or something like that and it because they had to fill in the time and in the movie they could show you visually things that they had to sing about on stage Mm. so they cut out a lot of the music for the movie and they made a few extra songs they really hyped up the storyline of the miss honey's parents Mm -hmm. yeah i was wondering how they did that yeah that that was like new so if had you have you seen the original movie Matilda? I have never seen the the original movie. I yes. think I read the book a long time ago, but so like Miss Honey was like her her dad passed away at a certain point or aunt raised her. That was always kind of just like a subplot and the, this new movie kind of made it a main focus. The same with the book. I haven't so I haven't read the book since I was Probably in elementary Same, school, yeah. so I need to go back and read the book. So it was it was a subplot in the book? It wasn't really expanded so, in that way? I read the book for the first time last week to prepare for this episode, because I am a professional. We should have all done that. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't... So the book's like 19 chapters, and they didn't even mention Miss Honey's backstory until like chapter 16. Yeah. And it was only really in one chapter. And it all comes out all at once. Like the whole thing about... Her parents being like trapeze artists or escapologists, they call them. Yeah, that's not mentioned at all. They're just people. Yeah, I think in the original um, movie, they're not mentioned at all. No, barely. Mm-hmm. Maybe just in passing. Yeah, um, well, what they do, like, it's not, you know that, like, her dad died and yeah. her aunt stole the house. But the, the backstory is not yeah. the same. 
I that's interesting because I really enjoyed that part of the movie. Um, maybe it was just the like the production of how they like they inserted Matilda and Mrs. Phelps, who she's telling the story to, into the the scenes. And I, I just liked the the subplot of her escape from her terrible life was her going to this library lady and telling her a story that was mm-hmm. so good. But I wasn't expecting the twist of that it was Miss Honey's parents. Yeah, that was that was surprising when I watched it. The- Spo- spoiler alert yeah. for Matilda the musical. Oh yeah, the movie, sure. I'll, I'll add that in at the beginning of the second. <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, no, I won't. There was a lot that even in the original movie, like they just didn't have in the new one, like her brother. Which yeah. that left a lot, like her family dynamic was so different in this one because the other movie and the show and it was the a little more lighthearted. Like you just, oh, her parents were just so, like they were just idiots, you know, like, yeah, they were terrible, but they're so dumb. Yeah, they, they turned up the volume on how cruel the parents yeah. were. In the book, they were more just fawning over her brother, right? which that character that. was completely yeah. eliminated from this yes. musical. Uh, the movie, at least, they yeah, were the stage. He's in the stage one, and there's songs. There's really good songs, like with the dad and the brother. Yeah, I was like, curious the comic why relief they... wasn't there in, in the new movie. He's not an essential character to the story, but I was curious. I was curious why they eliminated him entirely from musical. Maybe yeah. to maybe they wanted to intensify that. Maybe you know to make it to explain more why she's willing to leave her parents at the end. Because if yeah. they're just sort of you know. Um, not paying attention to her, but not in a uh, nefarious, like a negative way. It's something that maybe if they wanted to, that that could be fixed. Like the par- parents could learn and grow. But this way, it's like, no, these are terrible people and she needs to mm-hmm. get away from them. Mm-hmm. And so that explains the plot a little better, maybe. Oh, the original one, they still leave and she's just like, okay, bye. Cause yeah. like, they just weren't that great. You know, she can live with Miss Honey and read books and have... A beautiful life where she could stay with her parents that just want to watch TV all the time and don't pay her any attention. Sorry, you mentioned the the librarian, Mrs. Phelps. So in the book, she has a very minor role. She's really just works at the lib like an actual library. She's not in a traveling library van. <laughs> and her only interactions is in the very beginning of the book when Matilda walks to the library and checks out a book for the first time. She's not a reoccurring character. Mm-hmm. Um, so that role was really expanded. But I did like I did like it in the musical. I liked. I like when there's a librarian in a movie, yeah, one, but I liked how it kind of gave Matilda an opportunity to kind of like express her feelings about her parents in without using exposition, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of like her going into fantasy world. So that was interesting. And it kind of tees up the, again, spoiler alert, her like powers later on. Like she has this like fantastic imagination. So kind of eases you into believing that she has powers at the end because she's able to weave these you know very uh, realistic stories mm. so i like that too it almost i will i will say i didn't love the movie i thought i thought it was pretty good but as somebody who didn't have any experience really with the other versions of matilda it was it wasn't my favorite you know i think the mrs phelps librarian character was extraneous like they could have cut all of that out and it wouldn't have made a difference the all of her interactions with everybody else in the book were so overwhelmingly like upsettingly negative that i guess they had to have that lightness somewhere in the story like Mm -hmm. truly upsetting to watch her talk to her parents or or the trunchbull or like anyone it was was like really crazy in this one intense and it's disturbing it was so like i feel like the original movie was less like realistic she was less crazy but this one, it was, like, visually startling, like, to see, like, 60 chokies 
like yeah. cheaper travel and it's just like oh my god this woman is insane like she's got very jails for children yeah it was a little bit too um too realistic uh showing of child yeah. abuse and neglect i think yeah. and they really one. turn up was, the volume on dark. like every element of the the book and the even the mm-hmm. 90s movie like everything is yeah. cranked up a little yeah. bit the 90s movie is much less disturbing i mean it's not with the exception of one scene the cake eating scene i think that's more disturbing in the 90s film than the new version which was the cake eating scene was really cool to watch on stage because they have him eat an entire it looks like a real cake and by some magic of stage he starts eating it and it like disappears that's it was fun to watch there were a few songs that i felt like I could feel that this was a stage musical. Like you could feel how this was presented on the stage. Um, like there's a song at the end where the Trunchbull is angry at Matilda and is running at her like to get her. And Matilda like turns to the camera and is addressing the audience directly with like an I want song where she's, mm-hmm. you know, and then she goes up into the clouds and she's in her happy, quiet place for a little while before she snaps back into reality. And it was very like, oh, this is the song where Matilda is facing the audience and she's singing out into the the theater. But so many of these, I'm so curious to know how they would even begin to present them on the stage. Like, or scenes, like when the Trunchbull throws a girl by her pigtails. I'm yeah, guessing they were ropes not, involved. I don't know if they or... did that. I don't remember her actually. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say I mean, great wire <laughs> I don't remember her doing that. But there was a lot more on this, the stage. They had, there was a song they cut called Loud. That was in the beginning of the, so there was a lot there was a lot more in the stage play I feel like than they showed in the movie so like the loud was sung by like I think the mom who was really obnoxious but in the in the stage play but like too like obnoxious to the extreme in the in the movie she was just kind of like just there and a terrible person like negligent yeah so like so quiet which is the song you're talking about was like the counterpoint to that song at the end and it was i'm pretty sure she was just like on the stage by herself they had um uh i remember like them doing for the chalk work they had a lot of good special effects so like the chalk work was done it must have been a screen or something or lighting you know it just appeared um they had a lot more the musical numbers there was a lot more um like adult participation the kids were dressed up the adults were dressed up as kids like when i grow up it's sung by the whole cast and I don't think it did that in the movie. I can't remember now, even though it was just last night that no, I watched there it. Was, there were some adult parts But you in felt kind of like, like, here's all the, the adults in the cast also singing along. Like, you know, these little kids are going to grow up and be adults. And it was, I just felt like the movie had a lot, and the show had a little more depth and lightheartedness than the movie was just. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because this could... I like Annie, but I could see yes. a version of this movie where it's almost exclusively kids singing ensemble songs. Yeah. And the dance numbers. That, that was just the thing. It's so impressive to see the kids performing live. Some, they, yeah. the, the revolting children at yeah. the end is a fantastic dance number. And actually, you can you can watch the Tony performance. They do a, they do a medley. And they do When, when I Grow Up. Miss Honey has her own song. I can't remember which one. And they do um, revolting children, and in this just in the short Tony performance, you kind of get a little bit of an idea of you know how cool it was in the stage performance. Yeah, and all the kids are so talented; it's like amazing to watch. I'm glad to hear that there are in the stage show. There's more songs. Like it sounds like there's some more individual character songs and like the adults. Because one of my 
I don't want to say problems, but one of the things that that I didn't like so much about the movie was that it was very heavy on the group songs with the children that felt very, like, Annie-esque, mm-hmm. which, not that that's a bad show or a bad thing to be like, but it was also similar from one song to the next that I wanted a little more variety in the, the musicality of it, I think. So to have, like, some single character songs would have would have broken it up nicely, even though the kids' performances were, were super impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The stage show, they also, the kids weren't as angelic and, like, like, oh, the kids can do no wrong. The kids were, in the beginning, the kids are kind of obnoxious singing. They're not little, in the movie, they're little babies, and the song is going on and everything is, like, yeah. Like happy and light. Taking it very straightforward. Yeah, in the stage show, it's like these obnoxious little kids and it's like my mom says I'm the best, you know, like And then Matilda is like the the opposite yeah. of that. And then kinda of like you're a product like those obnoxious kids are a product of their like obnoxious parents. You know, so it's it's like more more of a joke, I guess, on yeah. like society and how kids are being Um raised. I I agree with Tori your point that I would have liked to have seen more solo songs. I was I was waiting the whole movie for Miss Honey to get a solo song, and it sounds like she did have one in the she in the musical had, yeah. and live. She sings a song about Matilda. I don't know if she has another one. I'd have to listen to the recording again. She sings a song about Matilda, like coming into her life, and yeah, and that's like in the middle of the show. It's not. Like, I thought the songs were great, though. I really like the songs. Um, I thought. When I grow up, old is that how it? Is when that, I grow up, when I grow up, I love that song. The intro, the opening song, I thought was great. The rotten children, revolting children, revolting children. I thought that was great and a great mm-hmm. dance number. Like that must be a TikTok. It video. is okay. I was gonna say I was watching. Don't they like, have it set to like Missy Elliott music? I think I feel like I've seen that. I'm not sure, but there is a separate like the there's a portion of the song where the the girl with the beret yes. uh the part where she busts through the door and they're going down the hallway that specific piece of choreography was a tiktok trend for months mm-hmm. with people yeah, recreating I that dance see that. and i was waiting the whole movie for it because i <laughs> saw you had to wait till the very end i was like when are they gonna do the tiktok dance i was waiting the whole time because it's a great dance number and especially the girl with the red beret because the whole movie i'm like she gets a lot of scenes, and I'm like, she's not a great actress. They're setting her up for something. Like, yeah, she's a, okay, she's the a dancer. dancer. <laughs> I didn't, I've seen the, the TikTok trend a million times and heard that section of the song a million times, but uh, I watched the movie with subtitles, and I never, like, knew what they were saying, because they've got the sort of heavy, like, Cockney accents a little yeah. bit, um, but I thought it was very clever. It sounds like the lyric they're, they're saying... That they're N O R T Y a little bit naughty because they have the yeah, British so accents. They do, they do I thought that was very funny. Like, naughty. They misspell a bunch of stuff in that song, and it's very funny. They spell it like, and when you're watching it on stage, they would spell have the word spelled out on the oh. chalkboard behind, and they would spell N O R T Y, and funny. so yeah. Speaking of spelling, there's the whole song with the alphabet. That was very cool. That was cool and very ominous. Yes. Because I was like, what are they counting down to? I liked that whole sequence. that And it was going very quick. I was like, I almost wish I could play it at half speed. Because I'm like, what are they saying? Like, oh, they're already on to like the next room, the <laughs> By next By the time letter. you realize they're doing that, you're like, oh, I missed how they fit in. Because it wouldn't always be them just saying the letter. It would be part of a word. Right. Or... Yeah, that was a cool song. I also, it felt like they sort of did... You'll have to tell me if this is for the, the stage version as well, but they sort of did a nod to the, the Grease movie musical at the end where they had the huge carnival at the school with all of the rides. It's like, wow, that reminds me a lot of, of Grease at the end where they've got the, the school carnival. I don't know. I don't remember how, what the final scene was. I don't think there was necessarily a carnival. I mean, Miss Honey does become the, the head, head of the school. 
really threw that in there. I, I, if it the, wasn't a nod, I, I think like it would have been I feel like the stage was not as was not that busy, like set wise. There was a lot Seven. going on. Yeah. yeah, that and the circus elements. I I was wondering like how they couldn't have done this live. No, it would be too much. They They'd have to do a whole set change. I, like in, I'm trying to picture like the the classroom. They had like the desks and like the background would have been the chalkboard. Like it was a little. I feel like the whole thing was more pared down. Min- yeah. Um, can we talk about the performances in the the movie? So Emma Thompson plays Miss Trum- Trumbull. Trunchbull. 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 She's the 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 bad one. With a lot of prosthetics on. Yes. Uh, I thought she was terrifying. She mm-hmm. was. And I thought she I thought she did an amazing job. Like when I saw, you know, looking at the cast before I saw the movie that she was in, and I'm like, oh, okay. But man, she really sells the character. Like her facial expressions with all the prosthetics and everything on. She looks fantastic. Her eyes, everything. Like she sells that she is crazy and yeah. malicious. I thought she did yeah. a fantastic job. Like like to a terrifying degree. Like this is not if you were going to show this to your kid, wait till your kid's like 12 cuz yeah. this is not it's right. a, it's a really scary portrayal that she did, I think. Yeah. If I was a 12-year-old and I saw this movie, this movie would be one of my favorites mm-hmm. because it's like just dark enough where you can't see it when you're young. And you feel like you shouldn't be watching it, you know? But it's still, like, you get to watch kids, you know, take over a school. Like, nothing is cooler when you're a kid. Like, I have a friend a that, that recently watched this with her son that's around that age, and she said they loved it. Like, they both really enjoyed it. So yeah. I, I think that's right on, you're right on the, hitting the nail right on the head with the age group that yeah. it's for. So Emma Thompson, I thought, was amazing. And then uh, Miss Honey is uh, Lashana Lynch who I know from the James Bond movies, the Daniel Craig movies, she's kind of teed up to be the next 007. And she actually is 007, spoiler alert, in at least one of the movies. But yeah, it was interesting to see her. And she's also in The Woman King that came out last year. That's what I knew her from. And she was a huge scene stealer in that movie. She wasn't the main character, but you wanted to be watching her character on screen at all times. So I, like, this is the year of Lashana Lynch or yeah. the, the, the couple years of Lashana Lynch. Yeah. I was surprised, but delighted to see her. Cause she's, I think she's a great actress. I wish she sang more, like as I already mentioned, but it was interesting to see her, you know, she's 007. A warrior know, a woman. Warrior princess woman. And the sweetest teacher you've ever then, met. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then an angel. A little bit like shiny meek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, range. She's got the range. She's got the range. And I think she did a great... I think she was well yeah. cast. You know, as surprising as the casting as it was for me, I think she was well cast. You know, her her facial expressions, she looks like the most innocent little doe-eyed, you know, sweet little teacher. So I thought she, was, she did a great job. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? I was surprised when I first saw it. Because I saw it when it first came out. I watched it. Um, the doctor in like the beginning. Yeah. I was like, oh, I know his face because I just... He's got a great voice, too. I forget his name. We have to look it up. Um, his last name's Henry. Henry. Is it James Henry? Matthew um, Henry. Matt. Matt Henry. He's in Kinky Boots, the recording that oh, is yeah. on some one of the streaming services. You should totally watch that. Everyone should watch yeah, that. Yeah, Kinky Boots Henry. is also one of my favorites ever. And he plays Lola in the... I think it was recorded on the West End, that Kinky Boots I had looked live him up. performance. I was reading some of the about some of the... Um, cast in this and he's like a big stage guy in the uk he's he's played simba and lion king he has a gorgeous voice i mean if you've seen kinky boots he's got to belt out some crazy tunes in kinky boots and they put him in in a minor part in this which just shows you like movie cast was stacked right everyone was very talented um i'm trying to think of any i'm looking at my notes here oh um so one thing they changed from the book 
to this movie was his hair was dyed green instead of blonde, which that's blonde in the book and, and even the other movie, I think. And I was thinking, like, why would they do green? And I think it's an homage to Willy Wonka, the other role. Oh, because yeah. he looks like an Oompa Loompa mm-hmm. with his spray-on tan. So yeah. It was confusing because they showed the bottle that she put into his hair tonic, and it just said bleach on it. Yeah. It's like, well, what was in the hair tonic that yeah. made it go green? I think that's what they well, what were going his for. Hair? Like, was his hair already dyed? And then... the other, oh, that could have been it. But another, I was wondering... I'm not up on my my Wonka lore as much as I should be, I guess. But at one point, there's a scene where everyone's thanking Matilda for, like, standing up for them. And they're giving her, like, little trinkets and things. And a girl gives her a curly whirly bar. Is that a Wonka candy? Is this this the Wonkaverse going on right now? Yeah, they're rebooting the Wonkaverse. (laughs) Starting with Matilda. Has Willy Wonka been? It must have been. Yeah, they're doing Willy a Wonka new... was with Johnny Depp. They did. Uh... But they're doing another one. Oh, a musical. Oh, a musical. Yes, it has been. Well, the original char- oh, one was a musical. No, there was a stage musical as well. Who played Willy Wonka? Yeah. I will. I'm gonna check. I don't. I remember. was thinking, you know, who would be great to play him is uh, Sutton Foster's ex-husband. I forget what his Christian name. Christian Borle. I think he might have actually been. Oh, really? Yeah. Who was just? We just saw in some like it up. He was fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, Christian Borle played played Willy Wonka in the, in oh, the stage version. Right? He did. <laughs> So, yeah, he's perfect for the part, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's... I like the movie. I really liked it, actually. And I wish I saw this movie before we did our Oscar episode because I would have mentioned this movie. That's how much I liked it. It is good. It's just, like, not... It's very intense. It's it's very different from the original movie. And, yeah, it's intense. It's not for little kids. Yeah. I think that's why I liked it. Honestly, I thought it... I I wouldn't call it dark, but it's dark for a a kid's book. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a kids movie that doesn't speak down to kids. Right. It's, it's which is what I appreciate. I appreciate straightforward that. to them. Okay, that's all the notes I have on Matilda. I do want to know actually. What should we do? Where'd they get the giraffe? I don't know, but it was a very tall giraffe, wasn't it? Huge. It was like two stories. I thought tall. that as well. Forget the carnival. At least two stories. The Miss Honey got a giraffe at the school. Yeah. Is it her circus background from her parents? Speaking of animals. This doesn't work. And now we're going to go to a break, but I think we have one more little fun activity for us to do. We have one very, we have to be brief. We're way over time again. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to play a little game. Okay, we're back. So, Tori has a very interesting musical taste. Uh... Wow, put this on me. Well, maybe maybe I'm wrong because this is—is is it still the longest-running musical ever? That's it. I think. Wait, did Phantom overtake that recently? I don't think that it did. I think it might still be. I'm not going to fact check. We're that, burying the lead. Tori is a big fan of the musical Cats. Wow, I'm being thrown uh, under the bus for sure so right now. <laughs> we found a fun little quiz online. Which Jellicle cat are you? So we're going to take that right now. So let's get let's get started. So let's start with yeah, the first question. It's asking us to pick a dog breed and the options are Chihuahua, Poodle, Golden Retriever, Pitbull and Pug. Is this what dog breed we would identify with or what we would just like to have as it's, a person? It's letting you decide okay. what, what you think it means. I'm going Golden Retriever. I think I, I also I think am. I am a Golden Retriever and I want a Golden Retriever. In, in terms of personality? Yeah. I'm going to go with Poodle just because they're soft and fluffy. Interesting choice. Well, next question is, what is your favorite entree at the Olive Garden? Okay, so the one of the options is seafood Alfredo. That's disgusting. You don't have cream sauces with fish. I'm sorry. Well, what about That's... a lobster bisque? 
That's well, like a clam chowder. Clam you're chowder from, you're from I know. New England. But like, I'm thinking like, I don't I, know. Yeah. I don't. What is seafood Alfredo? Alfredo sauce is different. That's like cheese too. You don't have cheese in fish. What That's about a weird choice. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> I need to we, have a rebuttal. We, we said we have to move this along. Okay, so the options are tour of Italy. I still soup. don't know what tour of Italy. Means. I don't either. I think it's just the house. Uh, soup salad and breadsticks, seafood Alfredo, chicken parm, and lasagna classico. I don't know what classico. Um, I'm going with soup salad and breadsticks as am I. A great variety. I'm gonna go with I. <laughs> that was not an option. Garden. I don't know. All right, we got to move along. Uh, next th- next question is pick an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, oh, Jesus no, Christ no. Superstar, Avita, Phantom of the Opera, and School of Rock. I already said Jesus Christ Superstar is one of my favorite musical films. I'm going with that one. I'm going with School of Rock. And I think I'm going to choose Phantom. All right. Next question. What would you do with a second Jellicle life? To be clear, a Jellicle is a type of cat in the Cats musical. So so you get to, to do it all over again as an, mm-hmm. another cat. The options are do more good in the world, make more money, create bold art, eat better food, or sleep more, which I'm mm-hmm. choosing automatically. I do enjoy sleeping. <laughs> I'm going to do uh, create bold art, even go... though sleep is what I would do if I wasn't on mic. <laughs> I'm going to go with eat better food. All right. Next the question. Tour of Italy, perhaps. <laughs> What's your favorite dance move? Oh, boy. Arabesque penche, the pony, the time step, the moonwalk, or the pivot turn? I'm going to go with time step, taking it back to my, your tap, my tap dancing days. I'm going to go with the pony step because that is very fun to do. I don't know what any of these are. <laughs> Arabesque penache. I think you should that pick that one. It sounds pick like that you. Yeah. That sounds like me. Next question. What would be your non-jellical cat name? We have Tiger, Smokey, Oscar, Angel, and Whiskers. Some classic cat names. I used to have a cat named Smokey, so I think I should go with Smokey. I think you have to. I might choose Oscar. It's a cute cat name. I was going to say Oscar because I really love Oscar the Grouch. So Oscar's a great cat name. It really is. What's your favorite kind of milk? Whole, two percent, one percent, skim, or non-dairy? I don't know why they're at- oh, because cats drink milk. Well, I'm torn here because cats are not supposed to have mm-hmm. milk, mm-hmm. like um, like cow's milk. So non-dairy would be the correct choice. But I will choose whole milk, the most delicious of milks. Mm-hmm. I'm going uh, non-dairy because I drink almond milk. I'm going with one percent because that's what I usually drink. Interesting. Interesting. One percent, really. Uh, okay. Next question is: Pick a dance musical. Chorus line, Forty Second Street, An American in Paris, Newsies, or Anything Goes. This is really hard for this, me. This is hard because Anything Goes has that one fantastic tap. Forty Second Street's got like ten. Yeah, but and then Newsies line. is just like one of my. I forgot about Newsies for favorite like movie musicals. I I know my answer. Uh, I'm going with An American in Paris. Oh. It's one of my favorite movies. I don't remember the music much, but the dance number to end it is one of the best dance numbers ever. I'm going to... And I just want to say one more thing about American in Paris. Just the dance number in that film won an Oscar. Oh, wow. It won a special Oscar that year just for the choreography. What was the category? It was a special Oscar. Oh, wow. It was a... It by itself. Yes. I'm going to pick a chorus line just because I love that musical. I'm going to pick Newsies. Oh, wow. This this one's a real hard one. This is a curveball. Do you want to read this one? What's your favorite type of cat litter? Clumping clay, silica gel crystals, recycled paper, corn, or pine? I didn't know any of these Um, were a thing. I've never had a cat, so what's the easiest one to clean up? The clumping clay, Okay, I'm going to go with that. I'm also going to pick that. Why is silica gel an option? That seems dangerous. 
That seems like a, they, a waste they, of good yeah, silica. Poisonous to cats? I'm not going to waste my good silica on the I'm cat. going recycled paper because that That's seems eco-friendly. Yes. Oh, I, okay. This is the question I couldn't answer. Who's your favorite Grizabella? Elaine Page, Betty Buckley, Lori Beachman, Lilius White, or Leona Lewis? For me, I'm torn between Elaine Page or Betty Buckley. Alex, if you're looking for a recommendation, I would recommend one of those. I was going to pick Elaine Page. The two, the two classic. So to be clear for our listeners, what they're asking is which of these actresses best best said the role of Grizabella, Grizabella is the best. I like the name Betty Buckley. That's, I, that's just a nice name. Betty Buckley. Betty Buckley, who I think famously was also, um, she played Mary in the Librarian and, and the Music Man at one point and that did the role very right. well. Um, but I'm also going to pick Elaine Page because I like her her take. What if we all got the same cat? Maybe we did. Okay, who wants to reveal first? I'll go first. I am Skimbleshanks, the railway cat. That's a good cat. Is it? It's a good no jellicle cat. <laughs> so I'll read, I guess I'll read it. Yeah. You're the cat of the railway train, which fits because I do ride the train sometimes. Attentive and kind, you can see what everyone around you wants and needs. You're a calming presence to everyone you know, and you suffer no pranksters. All aboard. All Is aboard. That true? <laughs> Am I a calming presence to you all? I'd say so. Sure. That's good to know. <laughs> sure. For the purposes of the podcast? <laughs> sure. <yes. laughs> Alex? Uh, I'll go next. I am Grizabella the Glamour Cat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> nice. She got the big because, one. It's because of the arabesque. It is. Oh, do I sing memories? Yes. Oh, I'm the star. And you die. Oh. But I come back to sleep more. <laughs> All right. Uh, Grizabella the Glamour Cat. It's awkward to say, but your best days might just be a memory because oh. you're Grizabella the Glamour right. Cat. There's good news, though. If you make your case, you might get a second chance at things, and you still... Oh, no, an ad popped up, and it's gone. <laughs> no! We'll never find we'll out never the truth out. about Grizabella. Okay, 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 I'm back. If you make your case, you might get a second chance at things, and you still look great in a shabby, chic, deconstructed fur coat. Wow. That nailed me. Of course that I did. sounds like you, shabby, I chic. I feel like yep. I would pay to see Alex in a shabby, chic, deconstructed If somebody room. pays yes. for a fur, shabby, sh- we can make fur this coat, happen. I'll wear it. We can make this happen. All right. My my result was I am Jenny Anydots, the Gumby Cat, which is, again, a great jellical cat. Are there any bad jellical cats? No. <laughs> Uh, during the day, it's all lazy all the time for you. But when the sun goes down, you get to work. You're Jenny Anydots, the old Gumby cat, and you've got a mission for after hours community outreach and a mean time step. More than anything else, you know life's more, most important lesson. Tap shoes make anything better. I think this is actually wow, pretty that's accurate. pretty on point. Yeah. <laughs> that worked out well. You chose wow. correctly. We all chose for your personality. Our, our best Jellicle cat. I'm living my best Jellicle life. <laughs> <laughs> the first or the second? Oh, I'm on my at least second. I'll put I'll put the link to that uh, very fun quiz in the the show notes. But uh, that's all I got for this episode. Tori, Steph, thank you both so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Thank us. you very much. It was yeah. fun. This is Grizabella signing off. <laughs> meow meow. <laughs>